Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome back to the Jet Press Podcast. My name is Justin Freed, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend, my pal, Mike Luciano. Mike, what's going on, man? How are you doing today? Well, I'm feeling pretty good on this spooky-themed Halloween episode of the Jet Press Podcast. Uh, In lieu of doing a Vincent Price impression that I'm sure Justin would have absolutely loved over the course of an hour-long show, Vincent Price is the Michael Jackson thriller announcer for those of you who are perhaps a little more weren't really around when thriller was around like both of us <laughs> like both of us or in the 50s when Vincent Price was an actor so at the risk of doing that we're going to just kind of give you some jet stock we're going to talk straight with you about the jets and the big trade deadline extravaganza because the witching hour is upon us it is time for I didn't even plan that witching pun for Halloween nice. it's time for the jets to make some deals to get rid of some dead weight and to finally cement themselves as a team who I think can make a postseason run. If they fail to do that, then we could, we're going to be adding for a very explosive post-deadline podcast because that would be hell. Yeah, yeah, it would. It's interesting because, you know, the Jets are sitting here at 3-3 three and three coming out of their bye week. I don't think a lot of people expected the Jets to be in this position when Aaron Rodgers went down, but here they are. They're not sellers. Like, there's a couple of guys we're going to talk about that they could look to, to potentially unload, and I think there's – uh, at least one player who I do expect to definitely be traded, but we're mostly talking about guys the Jets can go out and and target in a trade uh, because this is a team that has proven that they can compete this year. Like they've they've beaten the Bills, they've beaten the Eagles. We have Aaron Rodgers potentially coming back at some point. The Jets can contend this year, and I expect them to potentially be buyers. And so we'll talk about all of that. We'll get into that. We'll preview the Giants. Uh, but first, Mike, I think you have a little bit of. A little bit of some spooky, some spooky new. I don't know. I was trying to make a Halloween pun. Some words from our friends over at DraftKings, don't you? <laughs> well, th- this isn't anything about ghosts or ghouls or zombies or werewolves or vampires or anything like that. This is just a good old fashioned bet that if you guys aren't signing up for this, I really don't know what you're missing out on because this is a steal. DraftKings is running a new promotion that you do not want to miss. New users can place a $5 first bet to instantly claim 200 big ones. In bonus bets, you'll also be rewarded with a separate no-sweat single-game parlay every single day when you opt in. All you have to do is use our code FSBETS, that is F-S-B-E-T-S. Using the code not only gets you these bonuses, but it directly supports our podcast. So if you've been considering signing up for DraftKings, make sure to use the code FSBETS to maximize your first bets and parlays. This offer is only available to new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly and check the episode description. 
with the full terms of the offer to see if you qualify. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it may be you get your podcasts. We're on all those sites. And YouTube and TikTok at the Jet Press. Shout out to the YouTube guys because we posted an interview with Thomas Morstead that uh, Justin conducted masterfully. And what do you know, it got around 9,000 views and we got a bunch of new subscribers in just one week. We got some big heavy-hitting quotes from Thomas Morstead who was loving himself some Zach Wilson. So when you have the time, make sure to check that interview out because it's a good one. So now that all the housekeeping's out of the way, let's just dive right into trade deadline talk. Let's start with the Jets particularly because there are some guys where if the Jets end up going to make some moves there's going to have to be some names that just get the axe that get chopped nice and as were those were those somehow halloween puns like and they could be if you wanted to be like I a headless just, horseman kind of thing I, I need to point out i love the font i, I love how that's I, for listeners right now you're not seeing this but anybody watching on youtube you can see how it's like slanted i love that they did this this is so good i'm i'm geeking out over this <laughs> right, so now the spooky font is letting us know that the Jets have to get rid of some guys. And one name that just keeps coming up for me, because there are a couple guys where I could see, you know, veterans that aren't playing well, maybe young guys who need a second chance elsewhere. I've already seen Miko Hardman live on the show get the axe and head back to Kansas City, where he actually made some plays with the Chiefs, ironically, which I don't know if that's going to age well for the Jets. But I can't see a world, maybe this is just me, I can't see a world where once the deadline passes that Carl Lawson is still a New York Jet. And this has probably been the plan for a while because I really don't think there was a situation where after this year he was going to stay on the Jets. They draft Will McDonald. That's a big investment, a top 15 pick in a guy. Jermaine Johnson was a first-round pick last year who they obviously put a ton of responsibility on. And he's performed pretty well in the last couple of weeks after kind of a slow-ish start. He's kind of turned it on. And need we say more about Bryce Huff just absolutely slicing and dicing and playing like an all-pro pass rusher at times this year. And that is not an exaggeration. So Lawson and his big salary, I think, have to be offloaded because it just it does nobody any good. It doesn't do the Jets any good to stick him on the inactives and be burdened with that huge salary that isn't really doing anything. And it does Carl Lawson no good. This is a guy who's a respected veteran who's played through a ton of injuries. He'd been on some bad Bengals teams and some bad Jets teams. Really, too, because I remember he left the Bengals right before they got good, and now the Jets kind of finally start to get Aaron Rodgers and his body breaks down. Like It's tough that that's been... Carl Lawson's NFL journey right now. So the best thing the Jets can do is either send him away to a team that you know is going to be a postseason team and just get whatever pick you can get from that, which isn't going to be a lot, but at least you're doing right by Carl Lawson. Almost like when they said Steve McClendon to the Bucks a while back, like, all right, you tried hard. It didn't really work. Go chase a ring somewhere. That's option one. Option two is you trade him to a team that even if they're not necessarily a playoff lock, they're at least going to give him a somewhat regular role. I don't know which one the Jets will choose, but it has to be one of those two. Yeah, Mike, I'm with you here. I, I, I think it's it's become increasingly apparent that Carl Lawson's going to be traded. We've seen multiple reports. I'm pretty sure uh, Zach Rosenblatt of The Athletic reported this past week that it felt inevitable that Lawson would be traded. I know the, the folks over at U Stadium reported it today, too. It seems very, very likely that Carl Lawson will not be a member of the Jets by the time we do our midweek show next week. And it sucks. Like, honestly, my first thought about it is, is it just sucks. Like, it's a shame. It really is. Because I I loved the Lawson signing when they made it. It was one of my favorite moves that the Jets had made in free agency in years. I thought he was very, very undervalued in Cincinnati. Uh, and obviously, we saw him in that first summer with the Jets. And he was, I think if you said at that point he was the best player on the roster, when he was dominating in training camp the way he was, 
I don't think anybody really, really batted an eye. I think that would have been a very cold take. Unfortunately, the torn Achilles wiped out his first season. He came back. He did play all 17 games last year, but he clearly wasn't healthy. He just, I mean, he had seven sacks, but he wasn't the version of Carl Lawson that we saw before the injury. There was genuine optimism going into this season that he could return to his pre-injury form. And I was among those that were optimistic. And that's why when the Jets decided to not cut him, because they could have just cut him and saved $15 million, uh, they decided instead to, to restructure his deal. And they were hoping and they were banking on his health and saying, hey, we believe in his talent. Even with our stacked defensive line, we think he could be a difference maker for us, for us this year. Unfortunately, injury struck again. And he he... he Injured his back in in some, I forget when it was, but it was sometime in the summer. Hurt his back, ended up missing a lot of the summer, and he's clearly just not healthy. Like he, He's clearly not healthy. He was a healthy scratch a couple weeks ago. Um, he has, he's played, I think, like 70-something snaps. He has zero sacks, I think two pressures overall. He's just he's just not making plays. He's, he, has, he has no role, no significant role out there. Um, and it's become increasingly apparent that the Jets should be giving his snaps to other players. Most notably, Will McDonald should probably be the guy that gets those snaps. But I wouldn't mind seeing more snaps for Bryce Huff. <laughs> because honestly, at this stage, you probably can't play the guy enough snaps because he's just that good. Um, it sucks for Carl Lawson. And I know he's an awesome dude. And I, I, I was really high on that signing. I was really hoping that we could see him healthy. We just have him and I'll do it. And I, I, for his sake, I hope he does. I hope he does get healthy, whether it's with the Jets or elsewhere. But I just, it does not seem likely that it's going to be with the Jets. So whether that's maybe the Raiders, I know have been thrown out there a lot as a potential target, especially, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the potential Carl Lawson for Hunter Renfro swap. You rarely see player for player swaps in the NFL, but this is one of those unique situations where the salaries line up and it just does make sense for both teams. Uh, I know that the Browns probably could make sense there. Uh, Seattle could make sense. I know they just lost to Chenna Nwosu. Uh, he'd be asked to, to play more of a stand-up role, but he's done that before in Cincinnati. So Seattle did just it. sign Frank Clark, so maybe that takes them out of the running. They did just sign Frank Clark. You're right about that. They have the Frank Clark reunion. Yeah. Um, maybe Carolina, too, if you're saying, like, all right, we know he's not good, but you know what? Young team, you can still be your veteran guy, and we'll probably yeah. play you a little bit. He would get playing time there. I just I don't know why they'd give up anything for Carl Lawson. I mean, they're, not gonna, they're not competing this year. And, again, I love Carl Lawson, but honestly, I just – I don't see why any team like watching his tape from this year. He's he shouldn't be playing like there's there's no reason he should be on the field because he's just he's clearly not healthy. Like the back, the back is debilitating. And so it's unfortunate. But I'm with you on Carl Lawson. I do think he's getting traded. I don't want to say it's like Jordan on the Wizards, but it feels very like you know, Tony Parker on the Hornets or something like that, where they play one year for a team. You don't recognize you're like, oh, man, this is this is bad. Just just call it quits. It's and honestly, like, ugh, th- this is the band that had like two number one singles and now they're doing county fairs and stuff and you're like man like it's this is no good you know who else uh, that reminds me of mike dalvin cook on the jets <laughs> which could lead us into another player that Dalvin cook at least had he had a couple number one charting albums you know yeah. he had, you know then some wild and crazy tours in 83s took everything down that's at least a different story dalvin cook is a more gradual decline and true but, but still dalvin cook though i'm actually gonna I'm gonna. I don't know if you're saying the Jets could maybe move off Dalvin Cook. Like I could see why that be the ideal situation, but who would want Dalvin Cook to the point where they give up assets for him? Like, all right, even if they get an improved Dalvin Cook, where he's not what he was with the Jets and he's not what he was with Minnesota, but he's somewhere in between, which is still probably possible. Like I, he hasn't obviously been setting the world on fire the last two weeks, but he looked better than he did early on and. I do think there's some credence to Robert Sala saying like the first few weeks are almost his preseason just because he signed 
so late and you had to learn the offense so late, which is those are things you got to do. They're important. You can't just go out there off the street and and play well unless you're Baker Mayfield against Josh McDaniels, which got to hate Josh McDaniels. But like those are real things that all impacted Cook. So, yeah, he, there's a chance that you could sell yourself on. All right, maybe he's getting better. Maybe he'll be like a four yards per carry guy and he'll have one big breakout run and then that's Dalvin Cook. Yeah, but also I can't get those EPA stats out of my mind where it's literally the difference between the Jets being like second with Brees Hall and 40th with Dalvin Cook. Like it, that difference is so stark. And I know EPA is kind of a wonky stat to some degree and that a lot of it, I think, for individual players, it can sometimes be tough because it takes into account the offense as a whole. That's why Zach Wilson has like the actually has a worse EPA per drawback than he did last year even though he's clearly better this year just because there's been a lot of offensive struggles around him. Like, I can't get those numbers out of my head. And and the film backs it up. Like, you guys are smart Jets fans. You guys know watching Dalvin Cook what a limited player he is right now. He, he doesn't have the breakaway speed. He doesn't have the one-on-one elusiveness that he was, like, top five in when he was in his prime in Minnesota. Like, if, you, if somebody just said, all right, we'll flip you a sixth-round pick or something like that just because we need a body to get maybe five or six carries a game, Maybe they could do that, but I don't see the appeal in that for really either side because then the Jets are just get admitting defeat with the Cook signing, and then the team who's getting them isn't getting the Dalvin Cook they thought they were. Like I just don't see a path to anybody going, if we get Dalvin Cook, that'll change our offense. Like If, if you're thinking that, then leave your job. I think my take on it is if some team is willing to trade for Carl Lawson, they should probably be willing to trade for Dalvin Cook because both of them are providing about the exact same right now. Like that's that's kind of my my take on Lawson, I guess more than Cook. Um, I do think I and look, I've been Dalvin Cook's number one hater on this podcast since day one, right? I have been uh, Dan and Shatz and Dalvin looks like Emmett Smith and that's just the commercial. Oh God, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Emmett Smith's moving better. He's fifty for crying out loud. Honestly, yeah. Uh, I, look, I've been I've been Dalvin Cook's number one hater on this podcast since day one. I do agree that I think the last couple weeks he's looked marginally better, which is not saying much because he is still ranked last in the NFL in rushing yards over over expected per attempt, which I believe he also ranked last in that category last year. Um, but I, I think he has looked marginally better. And I don't think it's going to be a situation where you get anything of value. You're not getting a sixth-round pick for Dalvin Cook. And I know fans will be like, oh, that's value? Yeah, that would be value for Dalvin Cook. I mean, they just they basically gave Miko Harmon away for free it'd be the same thing with Dalvin Cook. If they're trading Dalvin Cook, it's a swap of like 2029 seventh and sixth round picks. Like they are, are you're going allowed to trade that far in the future. I, I mean, realistically, it's probably like 2025 or something like that, but I'm just going to be exaggerate, you know, exaggerate here and say that they're swapping 2040 seventh round picks. That's what they're doing here. Uh, like it would just be saying, yes, like you said, admitting defeat saying, Hey, Dalvin Cook's bad because, look, what Robert Sala says to the media today, I don't care what he says. They're watching that same film as well, and I think their actions speak louder than their words. Even though Sala said, oh, Cook's looked better the last couple weeks, he's played fewer and fewer snaps every single week. He had, like, three touches last week, which is the fewest he's had all year. There's a reason for that because the Jets are watching the film, and they know how much better every other running back is on the roster than Dalvin Cook right now, and that includes Michael Carter. I don't know if it includes Izzy Abanacanda because they they still refuse to play him. Um, but I, I see no harm at this stage in trading away Dalvin Cook because I think replacement level players are just about as good as Dalvin Cook, if not better, uh, than what you're getting from Cook. Whether that's Abanacanda, whether you're going to go out and sign somebody else, hell, maybe you trade for somebody. And I might have somebody we talk about a little bit later uh, that could be a target. But either way, I see no reason why if you're getting if you're getting like a 2026 or 2025 sixth round pick and you're giving up a 2025 seventh round pick. Just, just get rid of him. 
I could see a team like maybe the Ravens. You know, they love just stockpiling running backs, and obviously they've had some injuries there. Uh, there's got to be teams out there. I mean, the Rams have had a ton of injuries at that position, obviously, recently. Maybe if they're thinking that they could contend this year. Honestly, even like the Chiefs or someone. This to- this feels like a total Chiefs move uh, would be to go, like just like when they go- went out and got Le'Veon Bell. So I think there's a team out there that could be interested. Um, and if they're interested in Carl Lawson, like – I don't see why they wouldn't be interested in Dalvin Cook. I think with Lawson and Cook, they're both in the same category of if a team is willing to make this trade, the Jets will say, okay, yeah, take them. Like I think they're not looking, they're not looking for anything significant in return. If some team wants them, they could probably have them. Now here's what I want to get your thought on. Do you think Michael Carter could be moved? Just because I hope not. My thought is if the Jets say, all right, you know what, Dalvin Cook, we can't find a trade partner. And, but we still need an upgrade at RB2 just because as much as we love Brees Hall, he's a second-year guy coming off an injury. And just in case, we need a better insurance policy. Maybe we need someone who's more of a receiving threat. I don't think they're that tied to Carter where they can't look at some of the better running back. Not like Derrick Henry or somebody like that. I mean, somebody a little more attainable. And they said, all right, maybe instead of giving up a premium pick, maybe we just flip Carter, who's not going to be with the Jets in a couple of years anyway. Like I don't think he's getting a second contract. And then maybe get this other guy in. That, that's I, I, that's my galaxy brain theory. I'll I'll talk about the player now. Then I'll talk about the player now that I was going to talk about later. I'll talk about Cordero Patterson because Ooh. I think I think Cordero Patterson would be a better version of what the Jets expect from Michael Carter right now. He's clearly doesn't have a significant role in Atlanta. I know Bijan Robinson just had the illness stuff, but when Bijan Robinson is healthy, Patterson is very firmly RB three. He does not have a significant role with the Falcons. Uh, and I think and, anytime you hear somebody saying we're going to make like a unique position for you, like they call it the Joker position. Yeah. Anytime you hear that, it's like, like I remember the Jaguars did that with Denard Robinson. They're like, we're calling yeah. it the X position and he does everything. Or no, Sorry. It was a, it was the OW position, offensive weapon. I'm like, okay, this guy's right. cool. And now it's with Jameer Gibbs. We've seen it this year. But yeah, I, I think Patter- I don't think Patterson makes the Jets Super Bowl contenders. I don't think he moves the needle significantly, but I think he is better than Michael Carter, and I think he is better than Dalvin Cook. And he gives the Jets a legitimately viable third down back because I don't think Michael Carter is that great of a third down back. I think he's better than he should be as a pass blocker. Like he's very small. There's no reason he should be as good as he is as a pass blocker. He's a very willing blocker, but he's not a great pass catcher out of the backfield. We've seen him have drop issues. Obviously, Brees would be a great third down back if they wanted to use him in that role, but they seem not inclined to do that for whatever reason. So I would say, hey, go out and trade for Cordero Patterson. He could be your Michael Carter replacement. If you want to trade Michael Carter, I don't know if that's a one-for-one swap. I feel like Carter probably has slightly more valuable value because he is still on a rookie contract. He's under contract next year. Uh, I don't know what the exact compensation will be on that, but hell, if you want to go out and trade for Cordero Patterson, whether that means you're getting rid of Carter, whether that means you're getting rid of Dalvin Cook, I don't really care. I think that's an upgrade behind Brees. And if Brees were to miss any time at all, God forbid, I'd be more confident with Cordero Patterson than I would Michael Carter and Dalvin Cook. And I think it's easy to forget, too. Cordero Patterson got drafted as a wide receiver. Yeah, with Minnesota, absolutely. and then he was with Oakland for a while. New and England was return. actually the one. What? And he can return. He can return. I think New England was actually the one who kind of, kind of converted him into mm. being a running back because they realized, all right, this guy's not running routes well, but when he's got the ball, he's tough because he's so big. He's like 6'2", 220. Like, I think I got to credit Bill Belichick actually for figuring that out. But yeah. the receiving talent is where I really think Patterson could be a huge improvement because even if it's just running a couple dump-offs or a couple extra slot routes, like – Dalvin Cook doesn't do that right now. Michael Carter doesn't do that right now. Now, the tough part that I have with that is that would require the most stubborn coordinator in football, Nathaniel Hackett, who apparently has, I don't know why, but everybody talks about learning this offense. That's why 
Abanacan isn't playing. Apparently, it's the most complex, impossible to figure out, high level calculus to even to ever figure out, and yet it still stinks. I don't know why it's so hard then, but like Hackett doesn't really do a lot of, at least from what, what I've seen, a lot of Cordero Patterson y stuff. Like, I mean, he'll use two running backs, but a lot of times it's to split the load and do a lot of similar things. They may just have stylistic differences like he had in Green Bay. So that would require Hackett, a guy who was so stubborn that he let Miko Hartman play 30 snaps and then get traded to a Super Bowl contender in Kansas City where they know how to use him. He com- That's how stubborn he was. He says, I don't care. Oh, Xavier Gibson took his role. Well, Xavier Gibson doesn't play anyway, so I don't even really buy that excuse that much. So even if he didn't take his role, he still wouldn't be playing. That's what they would have to say. All right, we're going to acquire this guy, and we're going to have to change our offense, not fundamentally, but enough to where we actually can feature this guy prominently. I honestly don't know if they would do that. That's what makes it so tough. I think Hackett deserves some credit for having to completely change the complexion of the Jets' offense after the Aaron Rodgers injury. Now, it took him a few weeks to do it. Those first few weeks were rough. They were really rough. And I, I both of us were on here saying how bad the play calling was, the game planning was, especially against Dallas. It was pitiful. Uh, it was bad against the Patriots as well. But he did figure it out eventually. It took him a little bit of time, but I think that they've they've really found their their niche with the like two and three tight end sets. And I think that they've they found a good rhythm there. So I am I don't want to say confident, but I have some optimism that they'd be able to figure out a role for Cordero Patterson. It, it's the personnel usage, though. It's not putting yeah. Gibson on the field more. It's not putting Rucker on the field more. Like if he didn't do that, why is he going to do it with Patterson? If they trade for him, clearly they wanted him. Like they wanted Hardman. That's if the they, thing. Although, well, well, they wanted they wanted Hardman with Rodgers, and then Rodgers got hurt, and then Gibson and all that stuff. If they trade for Cordero Patterson, obviously they're going to have a conversation with Nathaniel Hackett and say, "Hey, do you think like Hackett? Hackett's going to be one of the primary guys who is approving this trade because if Hackett's like, I don't see a role for him in the offense." They're not going to trade for him, right? Like, so I don't have worry that if they made the trade, they wouldn't have a role for him. I don't know if they'd be willing to do it. Like, I'm not saying this is even the most likely thing. I also don't know if the Jets particularly see running back as a need. Like, I've come to realize that we have very different perceptions of the Jets roster than Jets do. The Jets love their safeties. I don't love the Jets' safeties. The Jets seem to be very happy with their running back depth and honestly, pretty content with their wide receiver depth. Completely disagree. I'm not happy with either of those. Uh, so I, I don't know. I think I think that they may not be super motivated to make the move, but Patterson's one of those guys that no one's really talking about, and it's not running backs. Not a position that I've seen anybody really mention as a, as a position to, to target at the deadline. But I would love I would love Cordero Patterson. I think he'd be the second best running back on the roster. Yeah. The guy who I, is my number one trade target would immediately be the best slot receiver on this roster. Is a guy who might get moved soon, and that's Hunter Renfro of the Las Vegas Raiders. Mm-hmm. Now, Hunter Renfro, everybody remembers he was a Clemson forever. Then he has two 600-yard years, his first two years under John Gruden. Then his last year, that was when Gruden got fired and Henry Ruggs and Rich Passaccia came in. 103 catches for 1,038 yards and nine touchdowns. Unbelievable numbers for a slot guy who admittedly has a limited route tree. He's not going to burn up the track speed-wise, but goddamn if this guy can't run routes. Then my most hated... Josh McDaniels comes oh, in. I'm with, I'm with you, man. I hate and you. You think Josh McDaniels, if anybody would use a guy like Hunter Renfro, it would be the guy who was Julian Edelman and Danny Amendola and Wes Welker. You'd think that would be the perfect guy for, for, for Josh McDaniels. And instead, he had 36 catches in 10 games last season and then eight, eight 
for 73 yards this season and no touchdowns. And he's letting guys like Trey Tucker, who wasn't even the best receiver on his college team at Cincinnati, get more snaps at him because Tyler Scott was better than Trey Tucker. So, and Renfro too is now, I feel like things are kind of accelerating. There was a report from Jordan Schultz, old Nepo baby, son of Starbucks fortune, Howard Schultz. Is that true? I didn't know that. Yeah, his dad is like the guy who found Starbucks and he has like $5 billion. Oh, dang. All right. He could do anything he wanted in his life and he chose to do that. Like, it just, that's funny to me. (laughs) I respect that. His wedding gift was like a $5 million penthouse in New York. Where's that you know so much about Jordan Schultz? What the hell? Because it, it blew my mind. Of that guy could be the CEO of Starbucks if he wanted to, and he said, "No, I want to go be Adam Schefter." It's just a weird. Like he could be anything. I respect it. I respect that. <laughs> but uh, because of some friction between him and McDaniel's, I know that as Dan said in chat, they paid Jacoby Myers to play the same sort of role. But Renfro is the kind of guy that I feel like he should still be on the field regardless. He's a good player. And then you get Myers, Adams, and Renfro. That's a hell of a tandem. McDaniel says, I don't want anything to do with that. And it looks like they're finally going to ship him out. And this is a guy, now n- normally moves I like for the Jets don't work out very well because Mo McDonald hasn't performed very well this year, hasn't really gotten a ton of snaps. And I liked Dalvin Cook before they signed him. So at the risk of this being the kiss of death, Hunter Renfro is the guy I would absolutely pound the table for. Not only because this offense is entirely get the ball out of Zach Wilson's hands in terms of a passing game. That's the credo of this passing game. Who better to be a target on that than a guy whose entire NFL living is built around separating on those shorter routes out of the slot? That's what he's a master at. He did it at Clemson. He did it with the Raiders. Now, him and Derek Carr just had some sort of connection that made it re- that just really worked. I know that John Gruden let him freelance a little bit, and that freelancing may not be ideal for a guy in Zach Wilson who needs everything very structured and very regimented, and here's where everything's got to be. But I still think this is a guy you got to go take a chance on because I have a hard time believing a guy went from 103 catches and still, when he played last year, I thought played pretty well. They just took his snaps down and then just immediately stunk. And he's still kind of young, 28 years old. Or sorry, 27 years old. He's going to be 28 in December. There's still a lot of good football left in Hunter Renfro, I think. And he's a guy, because of the way the Raiders are dealing with him, you can get him for cheap. I think we mentioned this earlier. I think this would be the perfect situation with Carl Lawson going to the Raiders and then Hunter Renfro coming to the Jets. You get no more Randall Cobb on the freaking field for crying out loud. No more blood vessels bursting in my brain watching Randall Cobb. You get a guy who's a legitimate shorthanded receiver who can separate in the red zone. He's got he had nine touchdowns that breakout year. This guy could score some touchdowns when you need him to. That can help for the red zone offense. And then the Raiders get Carl Lawson, who he's gonna get some snaps. Tyree Wilson, they picked in the first round, hasn't played particularly well. He's got one sack, and that was last week when Nathan Peterman was in. It was like second to last play of the game. He just pushes him out of bounds. That's the one sack that number seven overall pick Tyree Wilson has had this year. So it gives them someone other than Max Crosby with at least a history of rushing the passer. Now the Chandler, Chandler Jones is gone too after whatever the hell happened with Chandler, Chandler Jones. And then the Jets get Renfro. Like, like this to me seems like ideal. I just don't know if Dave Ziegler or Josh McDaniels are going to be willing to, one, admit failure and just say, all right, we're going to get Renfro out of here. And number two, get trade him away without any draft compensation. 
Yeah, Renfro seems to be in a very similar situation to Lawson, where I would be surprised at this stage if he was on the roster come uh, come next week, come next week at this time. As Brian and Chad says, Renfro's cap is required today. It's $3.97 million. The Jets will likely need to get the Raiders to eat some salary or take Lawson's contract off their hands. Uh, yeah, I mean, the finances can definitely, I imagine, be worked out. The good thing is neither of them are in particularly, I guess, appealing contracts. Renfro is under contract for next season. Lawson is not. Um, so I guess that's like a one slight difference. Uh, I don't know what, what Renfro's salary would be next year for an acquiring team, but I'm sure it's not anything crazy. Like I know his cap hit right now is 13.7 million for next year, but I'm not sure what it would be for an acquiring team. I don't know how much, I guess it would depend on how much of that the Raiders take on, but either way, it makes a ton of sense. Like it, it does make a ton of sense. He had the one great season. So we know that he's, he's produced at a high level before. Uh, I don't think that Hunter Renfro is going to be a superstar player in the jets. I think you could argue he'd be the second best receiver over Alan Lazard, but Lazard has been quietly all right this season. Uh, even if I wasn't a super huge fan of that signing, he's been solid. Um, but he would definitely give them a significant up upgrade over Randall Cobb. We don't need to go on the, the Randall Cobb hate bandwagon because I feel like that was 80% of last week's episode was that. Uh, so we don't need to do that again, although we'll probably be talking about a few wide receivers and just know that we're talking about these wide receivers uh, because of, of Randall Cobb. Brian and Chad says next year is $11.15 million. Um, so yeah, it's that's three, that's two receivers over 10 million and then Wilson. And yet, but is. then you could Renfro's contract come off the books after last year. That's what I was going to say. So you won't have to, you know, like, right. That's that. That's not 11.15 guaranteed. So they can always potentially move on from that. I know right now his dead cap, uh, is 5.508 for next year, but I don't know what it would be for the jets. Either way, it'd be a situation where they can move on from him. I'm sure after the season, if it doesn't work out. Um, but yeah, it makes it makes a ton of sense. I, I've seen a million people propose that idea on on Twitter. So if it actually does happen, uh, this would be one of the most this would be one of the greatest accomplishments in Jets Twitter history, manifesting a Carl Lawson for Hunter Renfro swap, because so many people have said that. Uh, and it'd be really funny if they got that right. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another guy who I'm looking at who is in a very, I would say, similar situation to Hunter Renfro. It's a wide receiver where he had one great season and is just, for whatever reason, not a not a, a, a big role. He does not have a significant role in his current team's offense, and he could be traded. It's Darnell Mooney of the Chicago Bears. And I'm surprised more people haven't, or at least more Jets fans, haven't talked about Darnell Mooney as a potential target. Because, once again, much like Hunter Renfro, he'd be a significant upgrade as a slot receiver over Randall Cobb. He would immediately be the Jets' third best wide receiver. And again, I think like Renfro, you could make the case that he could be wide receiver too, depending on how much stock you put into that one season that he had like 
it was like a thousand yards or whatever. He had 1100 yards uh, a couple years ago with the bears. He's clearly not a, a big player in that offense right now. DJ Moore gets a lot of the snap, uh, gets a lot of the targets. Uh, Cole Komet gets some targets. Like they, they have guys in that offense, even though Mooney is playing, I think like 60% of snaps, like he's playing a good amount. He's just not really getting a lot of targets. Uh, he's a free agent at the end of the year. He's still on his rookie contract. So I don't think Chicago is looking to bring him back, especially after they they got DJ Moore. They just paid him. It doesn't seem like a situation where they're planning on extending him. So I could totally see him being expendable at the deadline. And I think the Jets make a ton of sense for him because they need a wide receiver. Specifically, they need a guy who could play in a slot. And Mooney can absolutely do that. So Darnell Mooney is some of the, one of the guys who I think is a very realistic target. Like I know people will throw out Jerry Judy, and I'd love Jerry Judy, but you're probably going to pay like a third or, or like a fourth and maybe two fourths to get him. Like you're probably going to have to give up something of value for him. Mooney, I don't think you're giving up that much for considering he's on the last year of his deal. It doesn't seem like the the the, the Bears are, are particularly interested in extending him. Uh, I think much like Renfro, you're not giving up a ton for him. And so I think it's more realistic that the Jets would go out and target somebody like, like Darnell Mooney or Hunter Renfro as opposed to a Jerry Judy or, you know. Oh, we'll throw it out there, a Devontae Adams. It's not going to happen, obviously. Uh, I believe that the report has already come out that the Raiders are not going to trade in midseason. Obviously, they're not going to do that. Uh, but I can potentially see it happening in the offseason. I think that that's something that we will discuss again on the show at some point, uh, you know, in, in the future, a Devontae Adams trade. But I wouldn't expect it to happen midseason. But Darnell Mooney, that's, that's someone I'd keep an eye on. I actually, maybe I'm crazy. I think the Bears will bring back Mooney. I think part of... Yeah. I think part of the numbers are, I mean, I, I'm a probably, I like Justin Fields maybe more than most. I just really like the arm talent, the athletic ability, but he obviously has had some struggles and I feel like the the struggles of him and Luke Getze combined are kind of contributing to the lack of snaps from Mooney and maybe an over-reliance on Moore where they're saying, all right, if a guy's not open, throw it to DJ Moore. And I think that that hurt Mooney. I think it'll also be a tougher sell too, even if they keep Justin Fields or if they get like a Caleb Williams or Drake May if they have a guy who was a thousand yard receiver in the league and then they get rid of him when they get a young quarterback in, I feel like that might be kind of a tough sell for, for bears fans. Like you're getting rid of weapons. I know you might draft some more, but you know, you we had a guy and you got rid of him. That, that might be a little bit of a tougher sell, but you know what it could be like, it could be like, if they do bring him back, it'll be like when the Steelers re-signed Juju a few years ago, when they brought him back on that, like one year deal. I don't think he would get a long, yeah, I don't think he would get a long-term extension, but like, one year, seven million or something. One year's eight million, something like that would probably be right around what I'd expect him to get. Kind of like where you know, because Juju had that one great year with Pittsburgh, and then he didn't. He failed to really match that production again. Similar to Mooney, um, I still think. And Dan pointed out in chat they drafted. They just drafted Tyler Scott uh, as well. So maybe if they're high on him, they'd be less inclined to to bring back Mooney. I don't know. Even with that, let's just say that the Bears do end up now getting rid of Mooney. Let's just say, all right, we. We, he's maxed out. We don't think he's going to be a thousand yards again. I definitely could like that move. Now he's more like a downfield speedster guy, actually. Like when he was at Tulane, he was a complete vertical threat who would just run by people. So that's a little different from Renfro because Renfro does not have, I mean, he's fast, but not that fast. And his style of play is totally different. So if you just want a slot upgrade, I know that Nathaniel Hackett's scheme is not so sacrosanct that. You know, you have to say we're going to pick a guy based entirely on the scheme fit and maybe pick the less talented guy based on a scheme fit. But if they're not going to let Zach Wilson chuck it deep, which they've shown no inclination that they're going to let him do that because his accuracy numbers downfield are not kind of what you want. Even though he's got the big arm, everything's 
everything's a line drive, 95 mile an hour fastball. There's no real touch. There's no real Russell Wilson moonball. Let a guy run under that. He hasn't really had that in his arsenal yet. I mean, he, he does it on occasion. Like Garrett Wilson was a good throw last week, but not consistently enough. Mm-hmm. That makes Mooney a little bit less valuable in my opinion. Like he's definitely go with the ball in his hands and he definitely has okay hands, I think, but Renfro just makes more sense to me if they just want a guy who can get five or six targets a game on underneath stuff, whereas Randall Cobb either wouldn't be open or he'd drop it. Hunter Renfro will be open and he will catch it. So I think that that might be why they end up going for Renfro over Mooney because it's just there's less learning you gotta do, there's less change that's gotta happen. But I wouldn't be opposed to Darnell Mooney, especially if you get anything approximating 2021 Darnell Mooney, which is the whole reason we have hype for Renfro is what he did in 2021. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Honestly, there's a, there's a more wide receivers out there. There are more wide receivers available than people realize. Like I have, I want I want to play a little game really quick, Mike. Okay, I have, I have a list of a few wide receivers that, or at least I'll just I'll, honestly I'll, I'll open it up to all positions. A few names uh, that could be traded, that could be trade targets, and I want to get your thoughts on them. You can just give a quick yay or nay, or you can give some expanded thoughts if you have them on certain players. Okay. Okay. Let's start. Let's keep it with wide receiver for now. All right. And we're going to go KJ Osborne of the Minnesota Vikings. What are your thoughts? on Yeah. No. Why? Why? He gets targets for volume. I feel like they wouldn't have invested in Jordan Addison if they had confidence in KJ Osborne. That's fair. I I think he's one of the more underrated yak guys in the league. Like, I think he's really good after the catch, uh, which is something that the Jets, I think, could take advantage of in this offense. I also don't, I don't know how it motivated they'll be to move him considering they just won two games and also Justin Jefferson is hurt. So I think that plays a role here. Uh, but he is a free agent at the end of the year. And figure Ezra Cleveland, his teammate, though, who has guard tackle versatility, yeah. that's a guy I'd be really – it's tough to trade for offensive linemen because of how few good ones there are in the league. But expiring contract, Vikings might not be going anywhere. Keep, keep that little uh, corner of your book. Keep that one folded over. Keep bookmarking yeah. that one. If Ezra Cleveland is made available at any point, I I wouldn't expect only the Jets to be interested, but the Jets should absolutely like make those calls immediately because he is a very good young guard. Like he is a very good young guard. I don't know if he's played tackle in the NFL, but he did it a little bit in college and he's played both guard spots in the NFL. Uh, so he can definitely be a significant upgrade for them, both not only just now, but in the future. Trade for him and extend him long term. Boom. You have one of the one of the core pieces of your offensive line moving forward. I think the Browns should get him. Oh, is, is this thing on? I, I don't know. Is this thing on? It took me a second. I'm like, you're making a dumb face. This is clearly I mean, that's very highbrow. It's very <laughs> elevated comedy. I can I can see it went over your head. So. Yeah, it did. I was like, what is this joke? And like, oh, it's as simple as just his name. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I was like, why? They already have good guards. Why would they trade for Ezra Cleveland? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think Cleveland's a good a good shout. Honestly, I'll throw out another offensive lineman, and I mentioned him right before the show. Uh, and I, I I'm surprised more people haven't talked about him. Daniel Brunskill. Daniel Brunskill is one of my favorite players in the NFL because he's one of the rare offensive linemen who can legitimately play all five spots. The Jets lost Elijah Vera Tucker for the season, obviously to the torn Achilles. Think of Daniel Brunskill as basically an AVT light. He can play all five spots, and he can play all of them at a pretty high level. He's currently with the Tennessee Titans. He spent the first few years of his career with the Niners, so he has experience with Robert Sala. He's played in a very similar offensive scheme in San Francisco. Uh, I think he'd be a great get. Right now he's starting at right guard for the Titans, but the Titans aren't exactly going anywhere, and he's on a pretty cheap – I think it was a two-year deal they signed him to this offseason. I think he can immediately come in and start somewhere, and if not, he is – 
the best sixth offensive lineman in the NFL. Like he is everything you want in a sixth offensive lineman, kind of like Patrick McCary with the Ravens, like kind of a very similar role to that. Um, I, I would love Brunskill. I don't know, Mike, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on Brunskill? I mean, I like him, but I mean, that whole, oh, we played in San Francisco thing. Well, Lakin Tomlinson, <laughs> I can't get that out of my mind. Again, Lakin's been better last yeah. year. Brunskill's been, been good in Tennessee. Brunskill's been good with the Titans this year. Yeah, so Lakin was good with the Niners, and what good does that get us? So. Well, Brunskill's been good outside of San Francisco is what I'm saying. You know, he, okay, it's not, okay. he wasn't just, I mean, like, I wouldn't be opposed to it just because, I mean, it's better than nothing. It would be better than nothing, but yeah. he's not going to be, you know, Orlando Pace. I mean, I don't expect him to be that. No, you know. but I think he's probably better than what you're getting from Lakin Tomlins right now. <laughs> and he's, and he's I mean, if, depending on how long Joe Tippmann's out, he's definitely better than Wes Schweitzer, I can tell you that. He's basically a better ver- – this is going to sound like a terrible compa- – like this is going to sound bad, but I, I – I want to emphasize the better part of this statement. He is a better version of if you combine Wes Schweitzer and Billy Turner. <laughs> I want to emphasize the better because Schweitzer gives you guard center uh, versatility. Turner gives you guard tackle versatility. Brunskill does all of that, and he can do it at a better level than both Schweitzer and Turner, hence the reason why he's a starting It's like starting when we're saying, oh, this guy's better than Randall Cobb. It's like, well, yeah. But I want to emphasize better. I want to emphasize better. He is not <laughs> just that. He is a better version of that. Yeah. I like Daniel Brunskill. I think he is he's someone that I would I would consider targeting. Who's next up on the list? All right, we got a few more. Let's see. Um I'll I'll throw it out there because and I mentioned it to you right before the show. Uh now we'll talk about him in a second. Let's go back to wide receiver. This is a name that's been discussed a lot. Terrace Marshall Jr. What are your thoughts on Terrace Marshall? No, 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 no. Yeah, I, I had a feeling. <laughs> You're telling me the guy who can't get in on the 0-6 Panthers who have the worst receiver room in the league, that that guy's going to make a difference? I would only like Terrace Marshall because I think I think he's an upgrade over Randall Cobb, but it, it definitely gives off, like, I think you had made this comparison to me, Denzel Mims vibes. Uh, just failed second-round pick who just really can't get on the field for a bad wide receiver mm-hmm. core. I, I would be... One touchdown I, in his career. One. It's more than Denzel Mims. <laughs> Mims never got one? Mims never had one. Mims had the two-point conversion, but he never had it. He never I just I'm, assumed I'm, in the rookie year he had one, I guess you know, not. I'm like 99% sure he never had a touchdown in his career. Oh, poor guy. Yeah, the new right. Vernon Golston, no sacks. Right, exactly. Um, so was I, the guy who played for the Bills and then he played for the Jets? Aaron Maben. Aaron Maben. I don't know why I immediately knew that, but Aaron Maben. <laughs> the guy who played for the Bills. You didn't even need to say the Jets thing. As soon as you said the guy who played for the Bills, it was like, oh, you're thinking of Aaron Maben. <laughs> Um, all right, so that Terrace Marshall, I'm kind of with you on that. I think there's a lot better moves they can make. Uh, a guy they might see this week, Paris Campbell. What are your thoughts on Paris Campbell? He's okay. I, I guess it would depend on the price, but yeah, an- that, that's another guy. Second round pick out of Ohio State, speed yeah. guy, which is cool. But again, I, he has you know brittle bone disease, and his you know legs are made out of peanut brittle, so it's hard to really trust him. Yeah, Campbell is – He, I'm pretty sure – Yeah, this is an unbelievable stat line. He has 16 catches for 85 yards this season. He is averaging Al- – Alvin Kamara-type numbers. He's, he's averaging 5.3 yards per catch. That is pretty wild. Saquon uh, I mean, before just, last week had like three-something yards a catch. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty – and imagine that as a wide receiver, though. Like, imagine that as a wide receiver and you're not running to the flats every single time. Or at least – I mean, Paris Campbell probably runs to the flats a lot. Uh, poor Dan being a Jets fan named Golston is rough. I, I feel bad for you. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. 
I, for some reason, just, I don't know why in my head, I just associated his last name with being some kind of pun on Vernon Golston. I didn't consider the fact that that could be his real last name. Wait, that's actually uh, people's last name. <laughs> I know. Uh, so I'm, I, I am sorry for you, Dan. That is pretty wrong. At least your last name's not like Hackenberg. That'd be pretty wrong. That'd be pretty bad. <laughs> Marjorie. Actually, worse. <laughs> well, but at least Golston is like I've never heard another person named Hackenberg. At least Golston, I like that's a last name. You know, that's a last name that other people have. Hackenberg might just be the Christian Hackenberg family. Anyway, <laughs> a few more names that I'll throw out there. Um, so this this was the name I was going to bring up. I don't think he's moved, but I saw a Commanders beat reporter mentioning him as a possible trade target if the Commanders just kind of go ape shit and trade people. Cameron Curl, safety. I, totally, woo pig suey. I'd be doing, I'd be doing that for the yes. former Arkansas Razorback Cameron Curl. I, I don't know why he's even, why they'd even put that out there. I mean, he's 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 good, a free agent legitimately. He's a free. It's like the Ezra Cleveland thing. Young player, free agent at the end of the year hasn't been extended yet. That's that's the only reason why. Like, I I think they would extend him. It doesn't make any sense that they would move him. But Montez Sweat's available. Chase Young's available. Why not Cameron Curl? Also, some big news: uh, Brock Purdy's in concussion protocols. So we yeah. may see the return of Sam Darnold. Oh, Sam, Sammy oh, boy! No. If Sam wins with the Niners, I'm gonna—I don't know what I'm gonna do. He'll probably look good. I don't think he's gonna look bad. I imagine if he look looks bad. good. I don't. Kyle Shanahan can retire right now, and be in the Hall of Fame if he's that good. I mean, look, the Shanahan offense can work wonders. It, it didn't. It couldn't make every like. It didn't make CJ Beathard look good, but I think Darnold will look. I think Darnold will look pretty good. I think he'll look all right in that offense. Um, all right, few more, few more. Uh, I'm going to avoid like the obvious names like Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy. Like I, I feel like those names are, are thrown around, around a lot. Too I'll go another a team that already is lacking some of their best picks because of Rodgers. Right. I'll go another Commanders player, and I'll say Curtis Samuel. Curtis Samuel will be fantastic. I yeah. think. I think I he's been used wrong his entire career. It, yeah. Because again, him and Paris Campbell and a former Jet legend Jalen Marshall all had the same sort of uh, role at Ohio State, which was like that Percy Harvin-y half receiver, half running back role. And, yeah. you know, in the NFL, if you're half a receiver and half a running back, well, then you're not a good one of either. And I feel Todd like Robinson. Samuel, they tried to do that, something like that with him in Carolina. It didn't really work. Now he's like a straight-up receiver in Washington. Uh, the problem is Sam Howell likes him a lot. Uh, yeah. M- McLaurin's numbers have gone down. Uh, Deami Brown hasn't really broken out. Like he's thrown to Samuel a lot, and a part of it's the offensive line too. But it would you'd really have to give up a lot, I think, for him. But he'd be great if they got him. I, I agree. All right, I'll throw out one more wide receiver. Yeah, two more because I want to end on a high note. Donovan Peoples Jones first. <laughs> I like Donovan Peoples Jones a lot. Oh, okay, all right. I thought you were gonna be like no. So that's yeah, I had like a third round grade on him when he came out of Michigan. I thought he was wow. really good. I just. Another thing too, though, is he's just a vertical guy. He's like an yeah. Al Lazard, go up and get it guy. I don't know if that really—that's what the Jets need right now. Unless they move Garrett Wilson to the slot full time, and then you get like two big receivers on the end. Which that was my thinking. With well, all right, I lied. Two more wide receivers. Okay, because <laughs> I want to actually want to get to a guy who I really like. Uh, that was my thinking. What you just said with DeAndre Hopkins, because I think DeAndre Hopkins, obviously, we both agreed, or at least we both have the, the shared opinion that. He's somebody the Jets should have significantly pursued in the offseason and potentially signed. Uh, he could be available, and he's having a very good year in Tennessee, despite what people will tell you. I think he's on pace for like 1,100 yards in a bad he's pass. He's in that game. tier where you'd switch your whole offense. You wouldn't do it for Donovan Peoples-Jones. Hopkins is a guy you would do that for. Correct. That that and You could just give Garrett Wilson some more slot snaps. I think that's absolutely a thing that they should consider. 
Obviously, given the fact that they weren't interested in signing him, I doubt they'd be interested in trading for him. But I figured I'd throw him out there because if we're talking about what I would do, this is what I would do. Anyway, last one I'm going to end on because I want to talk about him because I love this player, even if it's unlikely. Kendrick Bourne. Uh, Kendrick Bourne is one of my favorite, like I, one of my favorite, like underrated wide receivers in the NFL. I think he just does everything very well. He's not special in any one area. He is a very, very good route runner. He has very good hands. He is a very good run blocker. He's not super fast. He's not super physically dominant. I think he's a very solid player. Uh, unfortunately, he is probably the number one wide receiver right now on the New England Patriots. And we've seen it before where the Jets and Patriots make trades. It's not unprecedented like the Demarius Thomas deal a couple of years ago. But I would say Kendrick Bourne's a more relevant and important player to the Patriots than Demarius Thomas, rest in peace, uh, was to the Patriots at that time. So I don't know if it's possible. I don't know if Bill Belichick would want to do that. Knowing Belichick, he probably wouldn't. But if it's now that he's angry and losing, no way. I agree. But if it's possible at all, man, I love Kendrick Bourne. And I would have loved for the Jets to to have signed him when he was available. And if he is available at all in a trade uh, and the Patriots are willing to play ball, absolutely. That that he might be my favorite, like realistic target if he is made available. I would prefer him over Hunter Renfro. I'd prefer him over Darnell Mooney. I mean, obviously, if Hopkins is an option, I prefer Hopkins, but I, I don't think he's a realistic option. And Judy, I think just might cost more than he's worth because I'm not I'm not sold on Jerry Judy. Like, I don't know if I'd want the Jets to give up like a third and then extend him. I think I'd rather go a different direction at wide receiver than that, um, you know, because you could just maybe target the position again in the offseason. But if you pay Judy, then you're kind of already committed to paying him. You paid Lazard. You're going to have to pay Garrett. That's kind of your your trio there. Um, so I, I don't know if I'd go in that direction. But Kendrick Bourne, I'm a big Kendrick Bourne fan. And he's a San Francisco guy. Connection yep. there. Exactly. I just – shame he's on the Patriots. Shame about it. So, yeah. yeah. We'll yeah. move into our final segment, I think. It's time for uh, to go and look ahead to the Battle of true. Northern New Jersey. But first, Mike, I think I have something to say. You do, actually, yes. A a not-so-spooky message from our friends over at DraftKings. Hey, Jets fans, DraftKings is running a new promotion that you won't want to miss. New users can place a $5 first bet to instantly claim $200 in bonus bets. You'll also be rewarded with a separate no-sweat single-game parlay every single day when you opt in. All you have to do is sign up with our code FSBETS using our code FSBETS. That's F-S-B-E-T-S. Not only gets you these great bonuses, but it also directly supports our podcast that helps us out. If you've been considering signing up for DraftKings, please make sure to use the code FSBETS. That's on the screen. That's F-S-B-E-T-S to maximize your first bets and parlays. This offers are all, this offers this offer, I got it, is available for new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. Now let's talk some Jets Giants. Let's talk some some Jet Life Stadium. Well, let me let me ask you a question first. I think this will really kind of hang over the entire matchup is without thinking gun to your head. If you're giants starting quarterback right now, Daniel Jones or Tyrod Taylor, who, who do I want? Who do I like? Who do I want to play or who do I think is better? You're, you're Brian Dable. You're well, Ty, Tyrod's been better. Like Tyrod, Tyrod Taylor has been better than Daniel Jones. As a Jets fan, I would rather be playing Daniel Jones. Brian in chat saying Jermaine Johnson has a foot injury. That's not great. How did that happen? When did that happen? Jermaine Johnson has a foot injury. Uh-oh. I didn't see that. If he's trolling, that would be shitty. But I trust Brian. Uh, I haven't, I'm not seeing anything about that. Well, we could discuss that in a moment while I look it up. I, I, Mike, the answer to your question is I would, uh, I, I would rather I would rather be playing Daniel Jones in this matchup. 
I, I'm kind of in line. I, I'm not just saying that as a guy who hated that contract extension. Yep. That was peak. That and the Saquon thing was peak, like McKinsey analytics football brain where even if our quarterback's bad, we got to play the quarterback. We got to pay the quarterback even our, over the good running back. Doesn't make any sense. Offense, Saquon's a much better running back than Daniel Jones is as a quarterback. Jones, literally, outside of one half against the Cardinals, does not have a touchdown this year. It's been bad. Mm-hmm. The offensive line for the Giants, admittedly, horrendous. College level. So, if that, it's been awful. But, Tyrod Taylor gets in. That offensive line was being discussed as, it's so bad, nobody can operate over there, and it's unsafe for Daniel Jones. That's what I heard after the Seattle game. You hear any of that with Tyrod? No. No. I'm not. And uh, really, really quick uh, update on Jets injuries. So for what Brian said, Jermaine Johnson doesn't have a foot injury, full participant in practice. So I don't think we should be. I don't okay, think we should I thought you meant like the way you, the way you put it in chat, I don't think like his foot caught in a wood chipper. I'm like, oh no. In much more occurring or, or, or uh, positive news, Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed and Brandon Eccles were all full participants in practice. Sounds like they're on track to play this week. I imagine if they're a full participant, that means that they have officially cleared concussion protocol as of after practice. Uh, we'll probably find out that officially tomorrow, but it does sound like Sauce Gardner, DJ Reed, and Brandon Eccles are on track to play this week. Uh, the only players who did not practice today were Randall Cobb, uh, although Salah said they expect him to practice tomorrow. If he doesn't, oh well. Uh, and, <laughs> and Joe Tipman, uh, who is, of course, in with the quad, doesn't sound like he's going to play this week, but at least positive. He wasn't placed on IR. It does sound like it's not a long-term thing with Joe Tittman. So that is incredibly encouraging. That's so positive. So, but the way it was sounding too, it looks like Tyrod Taylor is going to play this week again. Is Daniel Jones still has yeah. a neck injury. And that changes the offense in that you lose the Daniel Jones mobility aspect, which is, I think, his best aspect as a quarterback. When unless you're unless you're Lamar Jackson, if that's your best aspect, that is that's not what you want as a quarterback, in my opinion. But Tyrod can move around a little bit, but what's good with Tyrod is that thing that a lot of other good veteran backups have. It's the decision-making. It's get the ball out quick. Now, what makes the Giants, I actually think, a team that far be it for me to say they're going to really play well against the Jets considering the run of quarterbacks that have not played well against them. But as we said earlier, for a team that's a lot of hang your safeties back and let's make you do a 10-play drive down the field – I feel like Tyrod can actually execute that game plan pretty well. And when needed, he's actually been able to throw it deep to Jalen Hyatt, which Daniel Jones was not able to. So now the Jets will get their corners back. But I think that with Tyrod, you actually got to worry about the passing game like beating you a little bit because I still think he's a very good decision maker and he's very accurate. Something that if they had Daniel Jones playing, I think you'd have to worry more about just winning the battle up front because then Daniel Jones can't run around as much, and it's just going to be a lot of get the ball out quick, panic, check downs, and screens, whereas Tyrod, I think, can operate a more complex passing game right now. I I think that having Sauce presumably back for this game is going to be massive because their number one target in that offense is Darren Waller, and I think that um, I would imagine they'll be having Sauce Gardner match up with Darren Waller a lot because the Giants do split him out at wide receiver a good amount, and Sauce is really good at matching up with with those like physical. Not that Darren Waller is a physical tight end, but more physical players like a tight end like Darren Waller because he has the size and he has the physicality to do that. Uh, I think that will be important. Honestly, I mean, even though Terod Taylor has played well, 
the reason the Giants have won these last couple of games has been because their defense has kind of balled out. Like they've allowed what uh, they've allowed 16 points combined their last two games, or that's a lie. I lied. 21, 21 points, whatever. 21 points. The last two games. That's pretty good. Like that's, that's pretty good. And they haven't won their last two games. They've, they've won one of them, uh, but they, they played the bills very close and they, they nearly won that game as well. Um, so I think the, the Giants defense definitely deserves some credit for how they played. And it's not going to be a, a particularly easy matchup for Zach Wilson and his offense, at least as easy as it would have looked a few weeks ago when that Giants when that Giants defense was was having a rough time. Uh, Deontay Banks has played very well for them. They've gotten some good production out of Kayvon Thibodeau this year. Their pass rush is starting to come alive in most in, in recent weeks. I don't think it's going to be an easy matchup at all, especially if you don't have Joe Tittman. And now you're going in with with West Schweitzer potentially matching up with Dexter Lawrence. Or even Leonard Williams, I'm not confident with that at all. Well, here's what has me a little nervous about their defense is Wink Martindale is we're gonna blitz a bunch of guys. I don't give an F what you guys think. In the last that's how it was for his whole time in Baltimore and his first couple years with the Giants. That strategy was getting him killed early in the season. Actually, mm-hmm. now what he's done is he's blitzing, I think, a little bit less in the last two weeks. Yeah. And I think maybe it caught Buffalo off guard. It caught Washington off guard a little bit because they're seeing looks they aren't really used to. Here's where it could cause trouble with the Jets. Are they going to keep this up? Because if they keep this up, I think that could be concerning. Or are they going to go, we don't trust Zach Wilson's pocket presence or this offensive line. Let's just send everybody and let's see if we can't make Zach Wilson freak out. That's what I'm. It's again. I'm not glad I'm not paid to make these decisions, but someone in the Jets who's coming up with the game plans has to make this decision. They got to figure out what they think the defensive strategy is going to be for the Giants and come up with a game plan accordingly. Because if they guess wrong in this 50-50 chance, it's door number one, door number two. They pick the wrong one. We may see a lot of Zach Wilson on the move and Zach Wilson hurry throws, which as we can attest to, that's not what you want to see from Zach Wilson because he is not good at that. And the other thing to keep in mind here is the Giants are getting healthier. I know somebody in chat said that uh, Brian in chat said that Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones was limited today. We'll see if he plays. But even aside from that, Andrew Thomas and John Michael Schmitz both returned to practice today. Uh, so it sounds like both of them have a good chance to play against the Jets, which would be huge for them because probably their two best offensive linemen. Obviously, Andrew Thomas is excellent. John Michael Schmitz is, is I mean, he's looked better than most of the guys that they've thrown out at center and guard this year. Uh, so I think that would be that would be huge for them. The Jets obviously have a really good pass rush, uh, and I still think that they will find success against this this Giants offensive line, even if those guys those guys are playing. Uh, but it is important to note that the Giants have looked pretty pretty solid the last couple weeks. They've looked better, and now they're getting a little bit healthier. Uh, yeah, Waller. I thought they was were the a little overhyped, I thought, but when they're losing every game forty to nothing, I'm they're not that bad. Like, yeah, eventually, yeah, gotta you know they Waller, gotta regret, yeah. they gotta get back to the me at some point. I agree. Brian and Chad saying Waller was limited. Yes, but as a Darren Waller fantasy owner, I can assure you that that is a weekly thing. <laughs> he, is, he is limited in practice every week. I get the sleeper notification every week that says, oh, Darren Waller's status has been changed to questionable or whatever. And I'm like, I know he's going to play. Uh, so I would and imagine Darren Waller- don't do anything all year. And then the one week I play him in fantasy, they both get touchdowns and I lose. Like I was five and one, too. I was rolling. And then this happens. So that dude, I've had five running back injuries in the last 10 days. All right. So I, I'm not having a great I my team is still good, but I'm having a rough time right now in fantasy. Uh but yeah, I do expect Waller to, to play. Um, yeah, it, it'll be an interesting matchup. I'm glad you brought up the Wink Martindale stuff because 
I think that is probably the biggest coaching test in this game is going to be Wink Martindale versus Nathaniel Hackett uh, because the Giants have been competing on the backs of some very impressive defensive game plans. They've, they've played very – their defense has balled out the last couple of weeks. Josh uh, Allen, too. Not I know Howell has been yeah. historically sack-prone, but, I mean, they shut Josh Allen out through three quarters. They That's did. That's not nothing. They did, and if you look at his staff, he finished 169 yards, and, and he only had 11 yards on the ground, too. Uh, so it's not like he was doing anything really significant against that defense. So I, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Mike, I want to get your prediction for this well, week's game. I need to get back on. The, I actually predicted the Jets to lose to the Eagles. That was my first incorrect pick of the year. So Wait, no, no, I swear you said that last week. I swear you said you had one incorrect going into the last week. No, because I, I picked I picked him to beat Buffalo. I picked him to lose to Dallas. picked him to lose to New England. You did. And then I picked him to uh, lose to Kansas City. The Broncos. Did you pick him to beat the I Broncos? I picked him to beat Denver. Damn, really? I don't know. We can have the we can have people verify that. I don't know. I don't know. Man. I think I'm right. Check the tape. But so I'm <laughs> going to try to get back off the Schneid with a Jets win, uh, 21 to 13. I think okay. it's going to be tough for Brees Hall. I think he'll have some big runs, but. Anytime you get Wes Schweitzer and Connor McGovern going up against Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams, who I think are still two of the best interior linemen in the league, former Jet Leonard Williams. I just I'm so upset he'd make, like he's good. I just thought he'd be like all pro every year, good, and he's yeah. he's not, but he's still good. But Hall will have some tough sledding, and that can make things tough for Wilson early on, especially if Martindale kind of reverts to his old self and it's just blitz, 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 and then Wilson gets overwhelmed. That that's where I see the problems happening, but. Now that Sauce is back and DJ Reed is back, and as the Jets have shown, even their backup corners way down on the roster can be extremely effective against some very good wide receivers, like Brown, Devontae Smith. I don't see guys like Wandell Robinson or Paris Campbell or Darius Slayton presenting that much of a challenge. So because of that, I think Tyrod will move the ball early. And as much as we said the Jet Giants offense looks better with him, which it does, they've scored nine points and fourteen points in those two yeah. games. Like they're it's very, very Nathaniel Hackett, Zach Wilson Jets, where before the twenty they look fine, and then they kind of, or before yeah. the thirty even they look fine, and then they kind of freeze up when it comes time to score touchdowns. So it'll be a low scoring, old fashioned slobber knocker. I feel like just because I feel like that's out the way either of these teams can win at this point, but. I think the Jets just have better personnel in some key areas, and that'll take them over the top. I'm glad you said that at the end, too, because that is why I'm going to go with a, a very similar score prediction to yours. I already had this in mind before you said yours. So before anyone accuses me of being like, oh, you're, you know, you're just making it similar, I'm going 20 to 12. So you said 21 13. I'm saying 20 to 12. I'm just saying these teams aren't scoring touchdowns. Like, I, I think, I think it's going to be a field goal fest specifically for the Giants because, like you said, their red zone offense has not been good and they're facing one of the best red zone defenses in the NFL and the Jets. I think we're going to see ultimate, ultimate bend but don't break Jets defense this week. I think we're going to see some, some Wandale Robinson underneath touches. Maybe he takes a crosser for 20 yards. Darren Waller gets his targets. Jalen Hyatt, as Brian and chat says, preseason folk hero, Jalen Hyatt. Maybe Jalen Hyatt will have his first catch on sauce Gardner, and the giants fans can really celebrate on like that incomplete pass that they've been celebrating for for months now uh, <laughs> but uh yeah i think we'll see plenty of that stuff but i don't think we're gonna see a ton of touchdowns in this game and so i'll say graham gano kicks four field goals for the giants they score 12 points but the jets make it 20 they you know they score a couple touchdowns they get a couple of field goals greg zerline is a busy day maybe breeze make breaks a long run i could totally see that happening and then 
maybe the other touchdown is Zach Wilson. Honestly, Zach Wilson to Randall Cobb. And then I'll have to listen to people on Twitter tell me how valuable Randall Cobb is because he will call one touchdown pass. That's what I imagine is going to happen just to spite me. So I'll say 20 to 12 uh, Jets win over the Giants. We want Randall Cobb to be good, man. He's just not. I'm worried now that we both pick the Jets to win that because this this is not a get like this is not an easy like I, there's no look like you gave me beforehand now it's not it did and now look at the Giants just beat the, the Commanders who are not a bad team by any means and they nearly beat the Bills who are I mean they've had some rough weeks recently but they're still one of the most talented teams in the NFL this Giants team is not a pushover by any means at all and the Jets are by no means world beaters I know they they just beat the Eagles uh, but. You know, they looked really bad in week two. We can't forget that. They 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 lost pretty badly to the Cowboys in that game. So I don't know. We'll see. I think it'll be a close game because most games, you know, pretty much every game except that Cowboys game for the Jets this season has been close and competitive. Uh I just I don't want Jets fans and the Jets in general to go in too confident, even though we're both picking them to win. I don't think it's a game that they they should look at as like, oh, this is a this is a win. Like they, they should not be checked off as a win by any means yet. No team that has Nathaniel Hackett wiring in a play to Zach Wilson can count any game as an automatic victory. So. And honestly, that's a compliment and an insult because they've actually looked fine at points this season, but you just never know what you're getting. So with that, we're going to hope and pray that it's the Jets who come up on top in the Battle of New York. You could find us after the game on Sunday. We'll be giving our thoughts on everything Jets-Giants that happens. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. As always, you can find us on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and Spotify and Overcast. Wherever it may be, you get your podcast. We're on all those sites and YouTube and TikTok. Both of them are at the Jet Press. Make sure to subscribe. Make sure to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, not for egotistical reasons. To get us up those review charts, it means a lot to us. Thank you so much. Take us home, Justin. Yes, sir. I, I appreciate everybody who tunes in. As always, we both greatly appreciate it. Uh, definitely, I know where, where we say it, uh, kind of just, just like the, you know, going through is like the, the the normal outro but if you haven't subscribed already please subscribe we're like pretty close to 500 subscribers which is pretty cool uh so definitely make sure you do that anyway thank you all for joining us on the show today you can follow mike on twitter at by mike luciano you can follow me on twitter at justin t freed follow jet press at the jet press down the jet press podcast wherever you get your podcast also check us out on youtube subscribe like hit the notification bell we're also over on tiktok you can check us out there we stream live every wednesday at 3 p.m eastern time and immediately following every single jets game which we will be doing on sunday thank you all for listening to jet press podcast i've been justin freed as always that has been mike luciano we'll see you guys next time see you folks on sunday Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.